Hello and uh, welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> this is Robert. I'm standing in for Chase. I'm Chase's neighbor. I'm big into gardening and I have a blog, robertsgardenhall.blogspot.com. I highly recommend you check it out. I've got a uh, an ebook there on how to make your garden a palace for the ceremonial Nairobi bee, which of course, as you know, is reaching record lows of population throughout the globe. <laughs> every little helps. So today on the show, as with every day, we're going to talk about some interesting things for entrepreneurs. Now, I don't know if you think of yourself as an entrepreneur, but it's something that I've had to learn how to do um, because, uh, well, I had a job I, I really disliked for a long time. And once I worked there for... I worked there for 43 years uh, and got my pension, and now I am. Now I'm gardening, and I'm having just the darndest time. God bless blog, the listeners. Blogging. <laughs> Hang in there, guys. Today. <laughs> Sorry, is that way too much? I can. Oh, the music's still so loud in my ears, and so I'm. I'm just kind of going with Robert uh, uh, Robert's Gardenhaven.blogspot.com. <laughs> Oh, that was a fun one. Okay, guys, this is the Fizzle Show. Thanks for letting me get a character out of my system. Maybe I'll come back a little bit later. We'll see. You guys can take it away from here. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Honestly, uh, love your bulbs, bro. So this is the Fizzle Show, where every week we talk about things that are important and interesting to independent entrepreneurs. I am joined by Steph Crowder. Hi, Steph. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to chat today. Co and Corbett Barr. Howdy, y'all. And uh, Corbett, are you also excited to chat today? I am. Because I am, although I'm a little worried. Why is that? <laughs> I, I just got an email from the Secretary of State of the state of Oregon. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think we're out of business, guys. Oh, no. Because they just, they just came out with a series of videos to help Oregon entrepreneurs start their small businesses. Oh, no. They're moving into Fizzle's space. Yep. Get off our yeah, turf. Dennis, get the- <laughs> Dennis Richardson, the Secretary of State, he one of his top priorities for the corporations division is to make doing business in Oregon as simple as possible. And these new videos do just that. Well, oh, you gotta, <laughs> that's Corbett. That's amazing. You got to keep the coffee shops in business out there. Oh, we, uh, there's, we uh, there's six steps. Would you like to hear them? Yeah, I want to hear the six steps. They have steps. A, a, a business express toolkit. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see. Step one is choose a name and legal structure. Oh. That's step one, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So forget understanding your audience or <laughs> figuring out what problem you're solving. Or right. So first of all, we making just need something a name. that people want. We need a name and a legal structure. Okay. Right. We'll figure out the details later, Martha. <laughs> yes. Then we're going to register our business name because everybody knows that the whole paperwork thing is the most important part. You're going to get your tax numbers. You're going to mm-hmm. get your insurance and bond information. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> Uh, then business licenses based on your location and trade. And okay. finally, you're going to understand your employer obligations. So Ooh. I feel like if we completed all six of those steps, we'd probably have a pretty successful business under our belt. Well, I think what well, actually as you funny is as you're reading that, I'm, I'm actually also going like, yeah, this is actually the stuff that people are like, like think that a business is about. Yeah. yeah well, they think this is the really confusing part. Well, you know, Ruth Miles, small business advocate for the secretary of state says that starting a business may seem overwhelming with endless uh-huh. details, but okay. it's actually pretty straightforward. 
Oh. When somebody wants to start a business in Oregon, it's our job to clear the obstacles and show the way. Oh, wow. It's true. I mean, it does seem overwhelming, but it sounds like it's pretty simple and straightforward with those six steps. <laughs> it's so simple. Focus on paying taxes for all the reven- revenue yes, you haven't even made exactly. yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now that you guys have an EIN number and, uh, and you're registered with the state. The money is just going to flow. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about where you'll end up then, <laughs> mm. which uh, today we're getting into something like, so say you've got your business, you're rocking and rolling, you've got uh, some stuff going on, but you're hustling, like you're, you're spending a lot of time on it. It's exciting because it's your thing. Um, it shows promise. It shows this, uh, this thing that can happen when you run your own business where you don't have to necessarily be there to, for it to make, like to, for it to be making money. You still have to constantly be putting energy into it. Some of us work directly with clients. And so that part of our job requires, um, requires our actual physical time, uh, for us. But, maybe the growth of like like the list of the wait list like i think of these tattoo artists that i follow on instagram and that my wife's like wants to get a tattoo so she's been learning about all these these you know portland tattoo artists who are like amazing and they're booked like months and months and months out like these female tattoo artists who are doing these incredibly gorgeous floral and like kind of cosmic and like like animal type stuff whatever it is they're in such high demand. Yeah. And so I saw one yesterday put on the one that I was actually trying to get a tattoo from say like, okay, I've just opened my books. Get in there quick before it fills up. We're booking for like four months from now. Oh my God. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And so that's a part that is going and going and going and going and getting bigger and having more and more energy and momentum around it. Even though the tattooist's job is still like very physical, like right here. Like, cause when you're like working with a client, you're not actively out there growing your business, telling people who don't already know about your thing. Right. So, uh, anyways, even if you work with clients, there's this thing that can happen where your business starts to gain momentum. Right. And it starts to feel good and it starts to feel less and less, uh, like it's still a ton of work, but it's less Sisyphusian. Like you're just pushing this massive boulder up a hill only to watch it roll down again, again and again and again and again. You get a little momentum going and it starts to feel a little bit easier to push. You're still pushing just a little easier. And then in the context of that, you hear a, a respected, famous, very successful entrepreneur tell you, listen, one of the most important things you could do for your business is have a practice of taking time away from your business, taking time off, going to get your head straight, going to get perspective, take, do some travel, do a Vipassana retreat, go take ayahuasca or just like, like go to your parents' <laughs> house just, in Vermont. Yes. Like, a, <laughs> you know, like, like, like a regular, a regular person, person. <laughs> but like, Take some time off and then they say like, you've got to really be able to disengage, all right? You've got to really be fully present with what you're doing, just life outside of your business because then you get it's restorative and when you come back to your business, you might have some new perspective, you have more energy to complete those projects that you were working on at the end there and now you've got enough uh, energy to really push some of those things over the finish line. But wait, as this person saying this, you're going like, no. If I stop working now, everything will become way too hard to pick back up. 
everything's going to like, like, it's like a field. If I let my field life fallow for too long, I'm going to come back and there's just those, there's just these crazy weeds that are everywhere. And some of them, like they have roots that go way down deep and now they're like rooted in and, and it'll ruin everything, won't it? So you have this dialogue with this fear that comes up around, and this happens to all of us around, like, I'd love to take time off, but I'm afraid of what it will cost me, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about today. This is what we're getting into. We're getting into the danger of not taking time off and the consequences of taking time off poorly <laughs> of, of taking yeah. like unwise time off or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Corbett, w- how do you set up this topic? Like, what does this make you think of? Where do you, what, like, what is this like for you? I don't know. Where do you feel like going with that sort of introduction? Well, it's for me, it's, it's not necessarily that like I heard from some guru that I'm supposed to take time off or something. A lot of times it's just, uh, you're in the middle of a project. You feel like you're getting some traction and then, like timing just presents itself such that it's the holidays or now it's summertime or I had this thing planned or life gets in the way and and you're afraid to step away because you know, you, like you said, you're starting to get that traction. Um, and, and so you can wrestle with it. And sometimes I can, uh, especially like in, you know, July, August around here in the Northwest, it gets everybody's, so willing to do things, right? Your calendar starts filling up like in April. Well, we're going to go camping this weekend or we're going to go visit our friends in Seattle that weekend or whatever. Totally. And next thing you know, you've got like back to back to back to back four day weekends and you feel like you're, you're not getting a whole lot done and you can come to kind of like, um, dread vacation. You can come to worry about, uh, not getting enough done. You can come to, not really taking vacation because your mind is constantly on work or actually you're, uh, you know, at the coffee shop when you should be hanging out with your friends or whatever. Um, and so I, I think the, the feeling it's natural and we've heard from a lot of folks recently, probably because it is August, we've heard from a lot of folks recently who are kind of afraid to take time off or are admitting to us that, yeah, they took vacation, but they were distracted the whole time about work. And so the question is like, is that normal? Is that okay? What, what are the downsides to not taking vacation? Or, um, as entrepreneurs, are we just doomed to have to spend time working when we're on vacation? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's all this stuff to talk about, I think around vacation and taking time off and, um, you know, working weekends, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm just excited to have this conversation because I think it's on everybody's mind, especially in the summer now. I think you hit a really good point, which is like, like uh, for for me, it's not like a guru told me to do this, and then I'm like, okay, so how do I do it? It's like I've realized I need this. Just in the course of doing business for long enough, you really do learn. Oh man, I am the thing in like I, I am the problem in my business right now, right? Have you, Steph, have you ever had a sense of that where you're like, the problem in your business is that, uh, that I can't think straight, that I don't know Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do, that I don't have the right mindset about the projects I'm trying to get over the finish line here. Yeah. I think for me, this even goes so much further than vacation. This kind of turns into everyday life as well, where very quickly I've caught myself realizing that I've 
<laughs> through trying to build a business so that I could have the kind of lifestyle I want, I don't mm-hmm. have the kind of lifestyle I want because I'm always mm-hmm. on. And it's like, right. what was the point of that? And it's really interesting how slippery this line is for us online entrepreneurs. Like the internet is just such a blessing. I talk to my mom about this all the time. Like as we podcast right now, my daughter is sleeping upstairs mm-hmm. and I get to have this life where I earn a serious living with the internet. It's incredible. But I also do a lot of things on my phone and that includes social media and much of what I do, all of what I do is built on a very engaged community. And that can give you this sense of, you know, being in on a Facebook group on your phone to like check in and help people turns into all of a sudden you've been scrolling for 15 minutes, being on Instagram to try to like market yourself there turns into scrolling Instagram 12 different times a day, picking up your phone first thing when you wake up in the morning, having your phone be the last thing before you go to bed at night. These are things I really struggle with. And I find myself, it's absolutely a struggle on vacation, but even in just in my my daily life, I, I find myself being chained to my phone and to the technology. And I have to stop and be like, this is not what I'm building all of this for. I want Mm. to be able to go outside and enjoy the summer weather and not worry where my phone is. Or when my two-year-old is doing something hilarious, I'm, I'm missing it because I'm looking at somebody's stupid Instagram. But this happens so fast. And I think, um, having that awareness, but the line between what's actually building your business and having slipped into just the mindless pull of what we know is a very addictive technology, it can be really hard to ascertain when you've gone over that line. Right. This, uh, the danger of this digital infatuation loop, yep. you know, I see people, um, struggling with like, maybe technology is bad and we should get rid of all technology. Right. Um, where I think, no, the, what's bad is, is we, we've lost our wisdom in what these tools are for, right? And so we all kind of have to find this. Well, yeah, or balance. some of us have lost our self control, right? <laughs> right. Then and it's it, like this. Go for it. Keep and going. I think it, you know we we need to separate in this conversation the difference between um, getting work done while you're on vacation versus yeah. mindlessly checking Instagram because you've conditioned yourself that that's the only way you get pleasure in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the scary, the scary thing is I think those two flow together really easily because you tell yourself, you know, when I post on Instagram, that's work. That's a business building activity in your mind. But, but before you know it, you're also checking out what other people are doing and that's research, but now you're just scrolling. So I think it can be really, it can be really hard to find yourself going down that rabbit hole and you've built a new habit loop in your brain without even realizing that's happened because you thought you were working when in reality now you've you've just kind of created a new pattern for yourself that's i think so critical to get some space from and i think that's part of what we're going to talk about with the power of vacation right and i think this is to me this is like this is the challenge of modern life this is can you find yourself in a world that has been for the last you know last 50 years, basically, professionally, everything that has grown economically, besides like oil and energy, has been in the realm of these products that are marketed and advertised to you. So the birthplace of advertising telling you, you need this, you should have this, right? Not just that, but then everybody in our culture, my mom and my dad and my aunts and uncles saying like, a human should be like this, should be like that, should not be, uh, should not have dark skin, should have this much money, should not look like this, should not do, take drugs or do these sorts of things, right? It's like this is, this, we're constantly told, whatever, wherever you grew up, you're told who you're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this process that you have to kind of self-actualize at some point. There's an invitation to like, hey, who are you? 
we're thinking of maybe you can see in your head Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And there's like food and shelter and water and like all the basic like keep the animal alive stuff. But at the very tip of that pyramid is, is this con- is what is Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> You got me so <laughs> I thought I heard I thought that's what I heard. Sorry. <laughs> the uh, very tip of the pyramid is always Pinterest, which is why we're here today talking about the seven rules for how to really crush it on Pinterest, <laughs> even though Pinterest has already sort of seen its heyday of Wild Wild West stuff, and now it's impossible to become massive in it without five to six years of work. Um <laughs> the the top of the pyramid actually being um Pinterest slash self-actualization whichever right. whichever is easiest for you to access so um that that to me when we talk about vacation when we talk about stepping away when we talk about our work becoming something that actually is like we're confused about and we don't have a lot of flow about right Steph, you know what i'm talking about with flow corby you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about with flow mm-hmm. when it just kind of it just goes yeah it just goes and well, it feels good. And, you know, I've, I've heard this, this argument, um, you know, people talk about work-life balance and you hear some entrepreneurs say, well, I, I don't need work-life balance because mm. my work is my life and I love it. Yeah. So, right, you know, right. so, so screw it. So I think, you know, that, that creeps in sometimes, but then you see the, the sad reality of that where you're at a wedding and this like entrepreneur is sitting there texting you know, or, or right. like checking emails right. or something when they could be experiencing life. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes that's a, um, a security blanket, right? Because in your work life, you be, you can feel important, right? People know who you are because of what you've done online, because of who you are on Instagram or whatever. So you have this, this sense of, um, self importance there. And then out in the real world where you're face to face with people, uh, you have to, like act like a a regular person and you can forget how to do that. And so you bring your work with you as a security blanket and um, stop like remembering what it's like to be a regular person. And so you have to ask yourself, like, what's the point of like Steph said earlier, like you build a business so that you can build a certain lifestyle, but then running that business kind of encroaches on that lifestyle. And then you have to ask yourself, well, am I just going to allow that to happen now? And the lifestyle that I really wanted was to be like internet famous. Uh, or is there more to life than that? Right. And so what I hear is, tell me if you guys, if this resonates with you guys, what I think we're really talking about here is engagement. Um, the entrepreneur texting on his phone when he's at a wedding, for example, like not being able to engage with what's really going on, not feeling very engaged with like the relationships in his life, the real life, the where, the moment that he's in, the being present kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think of the engagement that I do or do not feel with the projects I'm trying to finish in my, in whatever work I'm doing, right? If I feel engaged by that, if I feel sort of uh, turned on by it, like, my my i find it easier to invest the necessary time creatively to actually get the thing done when i'm not that engaged but i feel like this happens to me a ton you guys where i'm i'm like i don't quite know why i'm doing this thing i haven't really thought it through all the way but i'm like i'm not i know that i'm supposed to be engaged with it so i'm like spending time do, like thinking about it and wor- like quote unquote working on it mm-hmm. but really i'm just going in circles man i'm just emotions. it's like it makes me think of what you said earlier, Corbett, the difference between getting work done 
and just mindlessly doing social media or uh, internet stuff or mobile phone stuff or digital stuff or, or quote work. It's like the difference between getting work done and getting worked. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I think the difference between those two is, is something akin to this term like engagement or presence or conviction, or maybe, maybe what's best here is intention. Right. Because if I intend to finish this course, so Steph, you just finished a, a, like selling a course. You just closed mm-hmm. the cart. By the way, tell the people, how do you feel right now? I feel super excited and very grateful for the results. It went awesome. Had a hundred okay. students join the course and I'm pumped. That's Amazing. That's amazing. And so you did all of this work to, uh, and you did it so smart. Like we, if you didn't listen to the last episode, 279, <laughs> you need to listen to the last episode, episode fizzleshow.co slash 279. You can hear how badly I messed up a few things. I had Chase really laughing at some of my horrible errors. <laughs> Well, so. <laughs> debatable, but just because that's, that's, dude, that is literally how, how it, it happens. It is. You will not make that error again. Right. Well, and you, you still had a great, a successful launch. Yes. Exactly. And, and you're not, you're not too burned out or stressed out about it. it no. Was, yeah. Nope. Right. Absolutely. That to me is the big learning. Is that like, mm-hmm. oh, you can make mistakes and it still turns out okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Like, like I, I'm such a perfectionist and I think a lot of people listening, like we don't want to stick our neck out if, right. if it's going to, you know, so there's, there, we're constantly battling that. So I feel like that's a really big lesson. I want to like pin to the wall for all of us, an app that I want to install in our systems that it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and similarly with this taking time away, you're not going to know exactly how to do this before you start doing this. And you mm-hmm. see how I went to the infinitive there, start doing, it's something that you will begin doing and then you will, you will find your own way to do it over time how to step away sometimes you only need a day like i've got a place here in town my goodness here in portland oregon called not springs where i have to pay 55 dollars. it's really quite expensive yeah and why haven't you I'm joined going, monthly yet well because dude it's a 12 month membership uh, like, it's right so and, and i'm just about to do some extended travel stuff so i would be there i would be a member in a heartbeat um <laughs> but it is it is soaking pools in this fancy building with a sauna and a steam room and an ice bath, like it's just a pool that's at 46 degrees. And it is my happy place. It is so like just grounding and relaxing and chill. So I can literally go there for two and a half hours. I will come out a fresh baby. Like I'm, I'm pretty, a mellow, I'm mellow. I'm not like, let's go fight. But if I start like a Monday morning and I go out there by normally around like two or three, like I'm in, I'm in one of my big pieces of work accidentally. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it just happens accidentally. Like one of these videos I've been, I've been neglecting doing or resisting somehow. Right. Because I got that time away and I got that restorative kind of yin energy thing. I was able to like show up and have a have a relative balance mm-hmm. in facing what feels like a very, very big challenging problem to me. Right. Making this video or doing this project or something, you know? But yeah. Go ahead, Steph. I was just going to say, I, that's a huge point. I don't think people recognize, I know I certainly had a hard time learning this and I still have to catch myself. Sometimes we think you know, when you're up against a deadline or you've, it's whether it's self-imposed or real, it doesn't matter. You want to get something done and you're not necessarily in the best headspace. You're tired. You haven't rested in a while. So you try to kind of get yourself to get through it by brute force. And what I've really learned in my time with all of this creative type work is you can get things done twice, maybe even three times or more fast, like as fast as when you're not in a good space. When you Mm -hmm. take the time to be chilled out and feel good, 
started, you not only are doing better work, but I have found that I'll like, for example, filming the modules for this course, I had thought this was going to, I was really intimidated and stressed out about how much time it was going to take. I was in a great chill place. I took like two hours and I was like, that's it for like the first module and I was done. And so it would have been a different result if, if you, yeah. if I had done it when I wasn't rested, when I wasn't feeling good. Um, so for me, I think that is another, like one of those things that maybe you just learn over time where it's like, mm. you might be doing things in triple the time if you're not taking the time to feel good before you actually do it. So it's like yeah. an investment to make sure that you're feeling good so that you can get things done, not only better, but also faster. And, you know, just like um, sleep is incredibly important for your brain, like to process things and to rebuild connections. And there's all these things that happen while you're sleeping that are really important to your health. And I think time away from your business can be similar, right? If you're Mm -hmm. sitting there at your desk nonstop, like just uh, up against a wall trying to get something done to move the ball forward and you're not making much progress, time away is critical for your mind, your energy, everything to kind of rebuild and and reprocess things. And a lot of times you take some time away and you come back at something and all of a sudden you make all this progress that you hadn't been able to make for a week. Mm -hmm. So it's critical. And I think, you know, when we talk, when we talk about time off or time away, it it doesn't always have to be like a, a week off of vacation or two weeks of vacation or even a weekend or whatever. Sometimes it's simply just time away from your desk, right? Like, right, right. and it doesn't mean that you're not working, but like a walk sometimes can be the biggest like roadblock remover there is just taking a walk and like letting yourself kind of relax and, and smell nature and everything. And it kind of just un, un, like unlocks something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, there's a lot of famous thinkers throughout history where I like I love learning about how, you know, really important physicists or novelists or people like that, like their daily habits or their things like that. I've had a long season where I would learn a lot about that. And the number of people, writers and people that I really respected who just like had a practice of long walks. Like they made it a th- like they're like I have to live somewhere where I can do really long walks. David Sedaris is like this now, where it's just like he's mentioned it before. It has to. He's written hilarious stories about it, where it's like you go on these long walks, and you actually. By the way, the most instructive thing it's like as it comes back, and I'm remembering this David Sedaris thing that he wrote. I think in the New Yorker about his Fitbit. Okay. And it was all about, it started, this is such a perfect example of this. It's all about how he got this Fitbit and now I can test how I can see exactly how many steps I'm doing and I got to get my steps in every day and I'm getting my steps in every day and I'm feeling good and I'm sleeping better and everything is like, wow, this is something that was really missing in my life is knowing that I've walked enough and done enough of the step taking thing, right? And then slowly the essay like devolves into like, and then I started getting more like annoyed by if I could or couldn't get my steps in or eventually I started adding more steps. You know what I mean? He's like, and it ends with like, this thing ruined my life. (laughs) It's so good. It's so indicative. Uh, It's such a great, like little story, a myth about, uh, about this complex relationship we have with what's good for us. Yeah. Right. And like how technology can show, can, can really enable a world of like, wow, I know what's good for me. My app, like I don't have an Apple watch, but like a lot of people who do, they love that it gives them a little buzz and says, Hey, you should stand up for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You've been sitting for a while. And they're like, I would be lost without that. And so that's like a kind of a very interesting technological little
technological, a, a very, uh, I would say, a humane technological interaction, right? Uh, that's that's killer. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff where it's constantly vibrating every time you get a text and all yeah. shit that probably counteracts that, right? And so you, you're really working with, okay, I'm going to shut up after this, but let me just get this out. You're really working with a a um, the um, the amount of energy that you have right now. You're you're kind of this infinite energy being, likely. But we have all these traumas. We have all of these fears. We have all these things that we end up spending a lot of our energy feeling. So you have this finite amount of energy in your day, and where you segment and put that. It just, it, it, it matters so much in what you're able to accomplish in a week. So if you just imagine you had a bank and if you're putting deposits into the bank, well, then your bank account grows, right? But if you're constantly up against that wall, like Corbett's talking about, you're constantly withdrawing funds from that. And so you're at a point where you have like three cents in the bank and you're like, well, I'll just use these three cents because that's all I have and I'll get this done, right? And you con- and then you don't have anything. Right. And then you don't have a practice of like making deposits back into the bank. This, I think, is the massive unbalance that may, that we've all kind of learned to do for the sake of, you know, an efficient economy and culture and, and, you know, the eighties and plastic and, <laughs> and electronics and like this massive exponential boom that we realized could happen, you know, and now it's like when it stops happening all the time. Anyways, I'm getting on a rant here. Um, <laughs> our corporations are going to have to learn to deal with like not exponentially growing. You know, for the first time in their fucking, in their lives, pardon my French, right? So, um, (laughs) so the same thing with you, the same thing with like, maybe you don't have enough energy to do everything you want. Maybe like we've said on the show before, every yes in your life brings down the quality of every other yes in your life, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you have a finite amount of yeses and then one of those yeses needs to be your rest. Your recuperation. Pete Holmes has this hilarious bit on some stand. I think it was on his uh, his Montreal like just for laughs thing I saw on YouTube. He was like, "I think the hardest thing, <laughs> I think it'd be the hardest thing to explain to an alien who came down and was like learning about our species. I think the hardest thing to explain to an alien would be sleep. <laughs> like, like he's just like, yeah. And then after I've been up for a while, like I just gotta shut it down. I gotta <laughs> shut everything down. I don't want any light. I don't want any noises." I just got to shut it all down, right? And if you think about it, how weird is that, right? <laughs> how weird is that? That literally after three days of staying a- awake without sleep, every human basically goes insane. Insane. Right? Unless, unless, you're, unless you're like trained by the Navy. So there is training you can, you can do to counteract right. that. But your decision-making skills go down, 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 right? And so how indicative is that of the fact that like you need recuperation every single day, right? In this like massive shut everything down. The subconscious has to take over and we're just like, we're just, (laughs) you know, restoring. And like you said before, Corbett, that's where we really process stuff. And it's in that processing, that subconscious processing that like oftentimes the answer just kind of evolves out of something like that. Well, and you know, I I think naturally most entrepreneurs will figure this out for themselves, right? Yeah. You you decide that, oh, I'm going to work late every night this week, and then you realize, well, when I do that, then I'm like worthless the next week. Or totally. I'm going to work Sunday so I can get a head start, and then by Thursday, you're exhausted because the week was too long. Or yeah. I'm going to not take any vacations for the next quarter until I get done with this big project that I'm thinking about, and then you never finish that project because yeah. you don't have that kind of unlimited energy. You figure 
these things out for yourself. But the real danger here is in people burning out, right? Yeah. And um, blaming themselves, feeling like they're not cut out for this. Um, because they can't go, 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 go. And, and yeah. we're, we're constantly exposed to, the, to these people who I don't know if they're really like this or if they're making it up or whatever, but you know, the, the visions that we have of other people on social media is what they choose to reveal to us and right. how they choose to make themselves seem. And so it's easy to see some people and put them up on a pedestal and, and just believe that they're always hustling, always on, always waking yeah. up at 4 a.m., always up till midnight tweeting. And um, I don't know. Or, or the opposite of that, where it's like I was searching on and if you if, can, I can I jump in here, yeah. Corbett? Okay, I was doing a search for this. I was watching a Terrence McKenna lecture this morning, and there was all this like, like really interesting artwork on there. And so I was looking up one of the artists to see if, by chance, uh, he had an Instagram account. Because I love following artists on Instagram because you just see like this work go out occasionally. You know, it's just interesting. And so I searched for his name, and he's not in there. But I, I like, I was just going through these search results of people, and immediately, like, my eye gets struck by the the person. There's an avatar stuff. You just like know exactly what the, like imagine everything you've seen like this, right? Like so cute, skinny, sexy, blonde girl, like leaning forward. Like she's just having like the most fun on her avatar. It's got the pink circle around it because it's, she's got a story there too, right? And her name is in all caps. And then there's like a, a star, like, like that, that little like glitter star emoji. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I'm looking at that and I'm going like, Oh dude, like, and I, I okay, so she has six thousand followers, Steph. Now is six thousand followers on Instagram a lot, a lot, a lot compared to the people that you follow, for example? No, but no. I mean it's it's something. No, but it's, it's not something, nothing. Yeah. Right? It's not nothing. So I immediately like I just start looking at all of her all of her stuff and just because I'm I'm in this mode where I'm going like, wow. Look at the like I'm just trying to understand what the because I didn't know anything about this person, right? So I nobody's like said, like, have you ever listened to Danielle's stuff? Or like I don't know what her work is or what she, what she's making as a contribution to the world. I'm just seeing her social presence. And what I would say I'm seeing more often than not in social presence right now is like how much we're we're sort of almost uh, we're, how much we're, we're saying that we're, we're resting or we're getting time with our team of girls or we're like, you know, sometimes it's like the coffee with like, it's like hustle in the afternoon. And like, so it's like a mix of like, I love working on my stuff. And like, I went, <laughs> I went and, and like, like hippie-ish type of, of like, of restorative sort of things as well. Right. Like it's, but it's almost like you don't know, like Corbett's saying, if this person's actually living a balanced life. If the relationship's nearly as good as they say it is. Right. right. And, and we all feel prescribed to constantly like, you know, oh, totally. we're supposed to live like this if we follow yeah. this person or we're totally. supposed to live like that. Well, uh, I, I always think, too, about people I follow on Instagram or just that you see on the Internet and they uh, it's easy to become envious of these bloggers or whoever, not picking on anyone specific who do a lot of travel and they're documenting the whole thing. And I'm thinking to myself, that looks like a heck of a lot of commitment. And I know I, oftentimes when I take vacation, you won't really see a lot of photos from me because mm. I don't want to feel that pressure to right. document it and to get the perfect 
photo of the gelato at the cafe or whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah. want that pressure on myself. So sometimes when you see that, I the thought that I have in my head now is, is that person going through that vacation through the viewfinder window on their phone? Because yes. I think we've all been on vacations like that maybe. I know I probably have where I felt that pressure to document and I had to be like, that was I probably could have been more present and like yeah. seeing the view with my eyeballs instead and I, yeah. of through my phone. Yeah. And I think you, you have to decide like, you know, for some people it's fun to take photos. Um, Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's work. And you might, you right. know, maybe you decide that you're a travel blogger. And so you have to document that stuff. It's, it's mm-hmm. part of your work. It's not vacation. But we've also all seen the person at the concert who's watching the concert from their <laughs> phone, right? Video yeah. taping. And it's like, when are you ever going to watch that again? Yes. And you know that you're not going to be able to hear anything. It's going to sound like garbage. So yeah. why not just put the phone down and like enjoy the concert? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched this. Uh, I was up really late last night accidentally watching just random stuff. I watched the first episode of Twin Peaks, by the way, which I've never seen. Holy oh, crap. yeah. It's amazing. The original one. Yeah. Jeez Louise, dude. I was weeping. David Lynch. It was so heavy and like interesting. And I'm like hooked. But I watched there's on Netflix. You know, Netflix is always doing this comedy stuff. They have a bunch of comedy things. Um, and one of the things they've started doing is is like these shows where there's multiple like younger comics who aren't that big. Yeah. So, um, there's this one called the comedy lineup and Ian Carmel's in it. He used to be in Portland. I've seen him a handful of times here. So I wanted to see his set. Um, each set is like a different episode basically. And then I clicked on one other, this, this girl named Taylor Tomlinson. Okay. And, Dude, she got me good. It was it was pretty dang good. I highly recommend it um, for like a 12-minute comedy set. But one of the things she talks about that is she's like, I was hanging out with these girls and they were like, uh, you know, you get you go to the cafe, you're hanging out. And it was like, after they got like 400 pictures of their coffee, after they got 400 pictures of their coffee, that's when they're like, let's take one together. And then they got like 100 pictures of all of us together. And then one said, let's get one laughing. And then on the count of three, they all like leaned forward and just made the laughing faces, but didn't laugh. Without saying anything. (laughs) And she's just, her like, the way she delivers it is awesome. She's great. There's this young white girl just making me laugh. I was loving it. Probably one of the funniest female comic comic sets that I've ever seen. Like the kind of thing that I would show, like anytime anybody says girls aren't funny, I'm like, dude, check out how smart, how interesting, how like animated, how crazy and, and like witty she is. I mean- Imagine if the, uh, did you guys ever watch Sex in the City? Oh, no. yeah. Come yeah. On. No, I didn't. All right. Well, Steph and I will talk for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. The iconic thing in Sex in the City is like pretty much every episode, the girls get together for brunch or whatever, and they're sitting around the four of them talking. Imagine yeah. if every time they did that, they're like taking photos of their lattes and stuff instead yeah. of like yes. really getting into the depth of what life is about. It's true. Yeah. It would just yeah. have yeah. ruined well, I think, the whole I, thing. I feel like, Corbett, you and I, we've been on Twitter for. Uh, we were on Twitter pretty early. Um, I remember being on Twitter pretty early. And back when it really was just, it was just for nerds. It was just like people who worked in design agencies and web houses and things like that for, yeah. for a good year or two. It was just that for me. And then I, then, and then it, it was started really like, and then yeah. it was like, yeah, basketball players and you could follow a lot more people. It started getting really cool. Um, whereas before it was just like <laughs> whatever. Um, and I still, treat twitter's kind of my favorite still right now i love instagram but twitter is where really where i like to be um and uh what i think i learned in being there early on is that it was never cool to look like you're trying to get a bunch of 
followers on Twitter in that world. You know what I mean? When it was really just like the people before, who, before yeah. it was like, and so, um, the, and also like the, the, the post, like the hardcore scene I was in, in the Bay area, like everything in, in like all the punk stuff, like you're not supposed to look like you're trying. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and well, now that's what being I, I cool am. is about, right? Right. And that's what being cool is about. On the YouTube channel, I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel. Right? I, I want that. I want to have more. I want to have as many Twitter followers on, on Twitter that I could possibly get because then my message goes out to more people. And if right. I have something to sell, it goes out to more people. Same thing with Instagram. So I find that this balance in, uh, in doing that because on these social medias, we are actually kind of like the the sort of point is to be kind of live streaming your life in some way, mm-hmm. even though most of our accounts are are like are like they they trend towards like Steph, your account like could be trending towards like it just courage and clarity type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like helping helping badass female entrepreneurs with their stuff, like that's what your account is becoming now, and it kind of needs to be that because that's who's yeah. actually following you there, right? Right. So there, but there is this weird like it's it's still called Steph Crowder, it's still called Chase Reeves, you know, it's like. Like there's also there's a picture of Maddie or a vacation or something you know what I mean every once in a while that reminds us that you're a real human and so all of us are trying to do this dance um, and I feel like it's a little bit crazy making mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think we'll look yeah, back on this time and we'll go like yeah we didn't we like we got really confused we, we had to learn and go through a bunch of stuff and so I think coming back to our conversation um, to be able to uh, to be able to find your sense of i'm i'm intentional about this whether that's like this project that i'm doing i'm being intentional about this here's my intention for this project i want to finish this and knowing that every day showing up and going like this that's right i do want that i do want that tapping into that um i want this to get done not like i should do this i should Mm -hmm. do that i I ought to do that like we were talking about that before steph would you would you could you talk a little bit about what you have personally learned about the difference between what I want to get done mm-hmm. and what I ought to or I should or I need to or have to? Mm-hmm. W- what have you learned about that? Well, first I've learned that it's a, it, for me anyway, but likely I bet this would probably work for everyone listening. It's a two-part process. So actually, I think it was before we started recording, Chase, you said something that I really resonated with, which is every, especially when I go on a longer vacation, like a week, call it a week-long vacation or something, I have to use this two-part process. And the first one is to just turn off completely. Um, mm-hmm. And that means no being on the phone, no being on the computer, none of it for a solid, you know, three days minimum. Um, and what, before we were recording, what you said is you have to kind of re set the habit. And for me, I fall into that, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the routine of like having the phone out all the time, scrolling, clicking, all the things. So I kind of have to like power it down and stop that cycle before I can get some clarity. So then when I get into the second piece, I can usually around like day four or five of a vacation, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm not feeling like I even know where my phone is, which is always a great feeling. Doesn't happen to me very often at home. So I like to try to do that on vacation. And then I might start to get some thoughts of, okay, baby's asleep. Maybe I could do something right now. Yeah. And so uh-huh. the filter that I like to, that I've learned to pass things through is, do I want to do something right now because it sounds exciting because I've had four days unplugged and I just got an awesome idea for a new podcast episode and I want to capture it or I want to do a little bit of writing. I really feel like, you know, capturing this and and spending some time being creative. That's very different energetically than, 
okay, it's been four days. I'm getting a little stir crazy. Maybe I'll just do a spot check of my email. Like that's where it always begins for a lot of us. Let me just check. Let me just make sure there's no fires. And then two hours later, you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So you have to learn to ask yourself, do I want to do something right now because I'm feeling creative, because I'm feeling energized, because I'm excited? Or do am I feeling that familiar ego-based pull that's like, I should, I have to, I need to, I better. And the reason I mentioned the whole piece about disconnecting is I think you need to do like a hard system reset. (laughs) You know, sometimes your computer's been on too long. You got to do the same thing with your brain before you can really trust yourself to make that decision between I want to and Mm -hmm. I need to. So that has worked really, really well for me on vacation. And I feel like I used to always keep like a light tether to the technology. And now uh, I go totally, I go totally off for at least right. the first few days. Right. You know what that reminds me of is, is there is, and, and I recommend everybody goes out and watches this as a, as a, uh, like, like one of those pieces of, you know, G- Gary Vaynerchuk's web 2.0 summit talk from like whatever, 10 years ago or whatever it was, is a little bit, one of those like mandatory classic pieces of, of entrepreneurial media. Well, another one to me that isn't necessarily as popular, but it was, it's, it's become really important to me over time, um, was Merlin Mann's Inbox Zero talk at Google. Mm-hmm. Um, that really lays out, th- he's someone who was a, a digital guy, like made his whole living digitally, uh, professionally for a long time, also very smart and very funny, hilarious guy, one of my like internet heroes. And he really struggled for years and years and years with the sense that your inbox your email inbox is literally the world telling you who it thinks you are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The world, like you, you just, so if you open yourself to your inbox, you're basically allowing whatever, whatever to come through there, right? And that can, and that like, you might see something, oh, let's just check on stuff real quick. Like the, the ways that that could go wrong, like you might get an email, for example, from you know, a large corporate government entity mm-hmm. that's moving into your entrepreneur education space. Just right? putting you on notice. <laughs> you know? And that could totally send you into a tailspin of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But uh, that sense of, of owning your own center in the context of a world where you have multiple inboxes. Your mm-hmm. inbox of your email, the inbox of your replies on Twitter, the inbox of your direct messages and comments on Instagram, right? And some are, these inboxes are very different from one another. But email, for example, is where, like, like who, like it happened. You guys, I didn't start getting spam until like six months ago. Did you know this about me? Like, I, my email, like, has been clean. Like, yeah, there's always been like little things. Right, but something big has happened. <laughs> like something big has You're getting happened. Getting a bunch and, of garbage, and now it's like, oh Requests yeah, requests for this and that. Yeah, this is just all garbage. And like, like companies you've never heard of before. You know, um, Sears. Right, just, just random, random companies like Sears yeah. emailing me, like, "What the hell, Sears?" And and then you unsubscribe, and it doesn't quite work. Right, and if you tried to unsubscribe from everything, you'd be there for an hour and a half. Right. And then sometimes it doesn't work. So it fundamentally, when my, when I had to fundamentally shift my relationship with my inbox, this was years ago after that inbox zero thing, it was like, you remember when Tim Ferriss talked about this in four hour work week too, where it was like, 
Uh, and there was that movement of like five five sentence emails. You remember that yeah. Corbett? Yeah. Where it was like really po- really common to get an email back from some young entrepreneur. White and at the dude. bottom it said like, <laughs> yeah. It, why is this email short? Let's see. There's yeah. five <laughs> sentence. Dot, yeah. It was five. It was like sentence. Senten- it was a weird dot uh, yes. URL. Yeah, something like that. I can't find it anymore. But it was like a movement. Um, and and so like I've seen a lot of those things come and go. We all we all kind of have. Maybe maybe you weren't around in the entrepreneurial space when that was going on. It did seem very kind of juvenile, and but it did sort of teach us these chops about learning. Dude, the whole world's going to take whatever it wants from you if you let if you let it happen like that. Right. And the same same exact thing happens with your own plans. Right? Like, I've got this project I want to do. And regardless of the fact that I'm confused about it, I'm just spinning. I'm just doing work about work about it. My work that I'm doing about it is ineffective. Right? And I'm not even seeing that yet because I'm just stressed about doing more work. And, you know, it's like the fear keeps growing that, like, that, like, I haven't gotten it done yet. But then, like, that fear isn't necessarily, it isn't, is actually making me worse at getting the work done. You know? Yep. Uh, that, that thing happens inside ourselves as well. Right. And with our own sort of thoughts, because when you're the captain and master and commander of your own vessel, like you do have to chart your course because like, and storms do come and you have to like find your way through it. So this idea, Steph, your two part process of just, first of all, everything gets shut down mm-hmm. and just like you kind of have to cut all of these tethers, these little like energetic tethers and just like it takes a while. It takes yeah. you said you four to, to five days. It's really almost mm-hmm. a detox in a way. It's a, it is. Yeah. It really is a detox, isn't it? And so you do that, and there is a different mind that starts to come out. Now, one of the things this makes me want to go into is the difference between uh, an entrepreneur. Like I've my my journey when I was like younger and just starting to make stuff uh, and just trying to get stuff out there. It was almost like, especially when I was younger, like now that I'm 36 or whatever I am, like I've gotten to know a lot of my own neuroses and fears and, and th- patterns that keep coming up. And I'm like, oh yeah, here's Chase doing that weird manic thing he does again. Oh, guess what? The next few days are going to be pretty mellow because we're, we're going to, we're blowing through all this energy. Um, and so that is, that's been like the big learning that has helped me to know like, okay, if we're going to do a YouTube channel, we need to do it like this. Like it needs to be X, Y, and Z. And then we need to not get too X or need not get too much like this or too much like that. And so I've got my own little contracts and negotiations with myself about how to stay in that place where I don't get burned out. Cause Corbett, like you said, the real danger here is burning out. Like it really is that danger of burning out. We've talked about this countless times on the show about burning out. Like it can really cost you a lot yeah. and it doesn't have to get that bad. So this episode is really about how can we step away and let that be an effective, like stepping away instead of just stepping away, which to me, this is the day, this is the bummer when I've, which I've done several times, I'll step away and I don't have my phone. I don't have my email. I'm not, I'm doing, I'm doing all the digital detox, but I, my mind is still sort of cycling through stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And the whole time, like I've still got something in the background. Like I don't fully disengage yeah. somehow. And yeah. I think Steph, honestly, you saying like four to five days, mm-hmm. that really, that's, there's like medicine in that for me. Right. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. That really is like, that's a long time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially when my work is sort of my refuge from my family. Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. Like my family life is like so much work and I love it. Right. But it's, but it's like, okay, and, Oh, daddy needs to work now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I hear that. And, sure. And you know, for me, uh, we, we talk about burnout and, um, obviously like total burnout where you have to throw in the towel and like do something else. That's, that's a, a big risk, uh, and a terrible thing. But the constant little, like, weekly burnout that a lot of us live in the constant state yeah. of burnout because we don't yeah. we don't take time off where we actually turn our brain off and you know stop thinking about instagram or the pressures or, or whatever um that's a real danger i think that's the one that a lot of us end up facing the most and mm. you mm. you wonder why you're not getting as much done every week as you would like to and a lot of times i think it's just because you're in this constant state of anxiety and and sort of light burnout and so um you know, taking time off, I think the, the trick for me, the bottom line is being able to tell yourself and recognize that you're taking time off, not in spite of your business, but for your business. Mm -hmm. If you need to make a bargain with yourself to say that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people feel this guilt when they're away from their business, you know, when they're taking time off that they should be doing something, but you are doing something for your business. You're recharging your batteries, you're clearing your head, you're trying to see things with new perspectives so that when you get back to work, you're going to be, like Steph said, two or three times more effective. You will, yep. it will pay you back this time, but mm -hmm. I think you consciously need to tell yourself that I'm taking vacation. If you're that addicted to your business and that worried about your progress, then you need to tell yourself that you're taking this vacation for your business. You're taking it so that you can make breakthroughs when you get back. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we talked about pre-show uh, as we're coming to a close here, we've got a couple pieces of advice we're going to get to in a second. Um, but one of the pieces that you mentioned, Corbett, and it really stuck with me, this idea that there's a, a big difference between wanting to do some work because it's exciting Right. And then feeling like I have to do this work because the whole thing feels like a house of cards. Mm -hmm. Right. So I just want, can you just speak for a second about like that house of cards feeling? Um, that like that, to me, it feels like a lot of anxiety around yeah. like, what if this, you know what I mean? And I just yeah. feel like that is a, it is an entrepreneur killer. Like it is, it just literally, eats away at so many of us that feeling that like that just like resting face anxiety <laughs> do you know what i mean there's people with like a resting b face or yeah. whatever a resting angry just like face a resting terrified face <laughs> it's like a resting mm -hmm. resting anxious soul that comes with like feeling like your business is actually a house of cards like i i guess what i'm really asking is 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 there a way that we could feel like our our business isn't a house of cards well, time, right? <laughs> just mm. uh, just realizing that it's not all going to come crumbling down because you took a week off or two weeks off. And, and the only way to do that, I think, is to experience it and, and recognize that it's true. Aside from us telling you that, that that's true, if you, if you have real traction, then that traction is due to something major that you did. It's because you built something that people want. And just because you're gone for a week doesn't mean that people are going to stop wanting that thing. Yeah. Now, if the traction that you have is, is fleeting, hold on, that was that, hold on. That was really big. Okay. Remember that point. If your traction you have is misleading, but, or maybe that's, that's really exactly what I'm reinforcing here. Yeah. Is that, that sense that like, if you are tapping into something that is actually valuable, that people actually want that to me, that's what the difference is between feeling like my business is a house of cards 
and feeling a kind of conviction, almost an inner confidence that like, no, I'm doing something valuable for people. Even if all the people that I have right now went away, I'm starting to build this confidence that like, oh no, people will want, like I can get this in front of people who will be willing to spend money on it, right? Yeah, and I think just to say that if if the traction that you have is so um, flimsy that taking time off for a week is going to destroy your business, then you need to work on something that's more sustainable, more uh, durable than that. And, um, you know, it's like, like Steph was saying, I think earlier, maybe before we started recording, if, if, you know, you have trained your clients to believe that you're there at every beck and call and you're terrified to tell them that you're going to take off for a week, by the way, like whenever I've had hired someone, a freelancer or something, if they tell me they're taking a week off, I'm like, good for you. You know, like work can wait. I'll be here when you get back. Like no big deal. Go enjoy yourself. So, but that's something you really know, Corbett. That's something you really learned. But I'm just saying like, if, if you're that terrified to tell your clients that you're going to take a week off, uh, then that's not a business you should want to be running. It's not sustainable for you in the long Mm -hmm. run. Um, and those aren't the client kind of clients that you, that you should want. Well, simply because you're actually telling people, it sounds like we're all telling people like you will need, absolutely need to take time away from your business. Of course. Like you will actually need it for your business to survive. Right. Right. To me, it sounds like you can, like, it's like, I think it's one of the challenges. A lot of, a lot of mothers feel this, this bond with their first child so intensely. Um, or not a lot, but I mean, like some, some, this is like a, a pattern we've seen throughout history, that overbearing mother, right? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't allow mm-hmm. her son to get, or daughter to get into, like, to really become themselves because of the, of the, uh, of how, how, I don't know, of how, close that son always needs to be in proximity to to, to the mom right. right and we can we can be like like our business is the kid and i always have this theory that like business you need to think about it like a kid it it, it kind of grows uh up on its own and has its own identity right you know and and you you are sh- kind of shepherding and stewarding it's it's life right it's not your life it's its life and so i think that's a really valuable Way of thinking about it. So here, we're coming to a close here. Um, let's go through our advice really quickly. Corbett, you mentioned uh, just the sense that re- remembering that there's consequences in this thing, right? Yep. Give the yeah. people your piece of advice. Yeah. So like I said earlier, you know, uh, make a bargain with yourself and, and remind yourself that you're doing this for your business because if you don't, the consequences will be, it's sort of like pay me now or pay me later, you know, and you can, yeah. a lot of times you can burn the midnight oil um, to get a project done, but then you're going to be worthless for a couple of days. And likewise, you can go a year without a vacation, but you might pay the price in some major way later. So yeah. there are consequences to not taking time off. And um, you'll learn that the hard way if you don't listen to people like us telling you that you need to be taking time off. Right, mm-hmm. right. And then Steph, your advice about like taking a few solid days, absolutely no phone, the total digital detox, and then uh, getting into want instead of should, ought, and need to. Would you reiterate these? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, I want to add one little thing on top of that because we touched on the fear of burnout or the risk of burnout, and that is definitely a real possibility. But before you even get that far, and this ties into what you want your life to look like, what you want it to feel like, all of that, is sometimes I like to just try to think through and have some awareness of like, 
how do I want to move through my day, vacation or not? So especially for those of us with kids, sometimes I do catch myself on my phone and I'm like, you know, my daughter's only two, but she's watching me. And is is that how I want my children to remember me right. and think about me? Yeah. So, um, and also that's just not how I want to be in my life because you miss stuff. And mm-hmm. so um, beyond just the very extreme possibility of, oh my God, burnout, which does exist, a little even, I think, closer possibility that could happen very easily is ask yourself like, Am I modeling what I want my kids to see or anybody around me to see as, quote unquote, the dream that I claim to be building? Um, And if the answer is no, which I think we all go through cycles where we get too attached and we're white knuckling our businesses, then I do like to do those a, a little mini kind of exercise of turn it off and then go back to that exercise of do I want what do I want to be doing versus what do I have to do? What do I feel like I should do? What do I need to be doing? Yeah. I love it. I love it. By the way, I'm very different from both of you in that I think uh, my best personal self is actually the self that's online, and I'm going full VR, and I'm totally investing in technology and making most of my relationships happen on the internet because, uh, frankly, it's just cleaner. It's easier. I don't have to... You know, I can, I can just... We can interact this way. I'm, I'm saying this lightly as a joke because I know there's actually... I think there's a lot of people that are going to choose to do that, you know, mm-hmm. to choose to do it online. And um, and I think that's going to be a real viable way to live. I think there's still going to be the question of like, what are you doing to your meat suit? <laughs> How healthy is your thinker and your actual body? Because that's what we're like locked in as well. Um, but my little piece of advice at the end here is simply to uh, to to really... Have a, have a conversation with yourself about what you need to accomplish now before you take the time off so, so that you can really totally disengage. Like, make it a little project. A little project that it's like, okay, if I get this stuff done, if I'm in this place or in that place, then I can fully disengage. Make it a project, be intentional about it, and that might help you to totally uh, do the digital detox thing at, at, you know, when you're actually there. Steph Corbett, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having thanks, us. Thanks, guys. This is a fun. This is a fun one. This is episode two eighty, I think. Right? Yes. Yep. Fizzleshow.co slash two eight zero. Fizzleshow.co slash two eighty is where you go to get the show notes and the links for all of the things on this episode, including that amazing comedian that I mentioned and anything else that we mentioned throughout the show. Fizzleshow.co slash two eighty. And while you're there, you can get on the email list uh, because we send these things out. Corbett does a little like message on them, which is I find helpful as a setup to the episodes. And if you go to fizzle.co slash guides. We have guides that can help you right now. Like literally right now with something you're working on. For example, the 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet. That thing is clutch for figuring out what your blog post that you're writing is, the next podcast episode, a sales page, what the product you should make is, thinking through your entire brand. It's such a helpful, useful tool. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 280. Thank you guys for listening. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye. 